G'day Global Gabers, welcome back to another episode of Gaberhood, the show where we hang out and talk shit <laughs> and have fun to create more connection and humanity around the world. Uh, today I'm talking with an ex-client of mine from Brown Bear Coaching, his name is David, he's got a lot to f- offer, he loves a good fetish, I think you will too. We talk about finding comfortable within yourself, coming out to family, hot guys at theme parks, early sexual adventures and multiple sexual awakenings, perving on the leather daddy next door. We talk about getting asked for documents in board meetings and somehow that's really sexy. I'll leave that up for you to decide. We talk about drugs in the gay scene, labels in the gay scene, if wanting more sex than your partner is shameful. We talk about feeling lots of feelings and finding yourself. And do not miss out on the McGangbang in the zany questions at the end. Have fun. Let's start with some introductions. David, what are some things you would like listeners to know about you? As a, as a gay man, um, in what, well, I'm 36 now, coming this year. Uh, but really good to uh, let the listeners know in terms of my journey um, and my insight in terms of what I've experienced within the gay community. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's quite a few different roles that I've played in that space. Um, explored a few different, um, you know, sexual uh, fetishes as well. And it'd be good just to get some insight uh, for the viewers, for the listeners, so they could, if they are looking to adventure um, into different spaces, then uh, they could always then have that experience as well. Okay. So you're turning 36, you're a gay man, you live in Sydney, uh, you're an ex-client of mine. That's how we met, right? Yeah, it is. Yeah. So uh, we we met um, a few months ago now, actually, wasn't it, Ed? Yeah, I think it was about six, if not more. Yeah, yeah. Um, my journey with you with you was um, very uh, colourful in the sense that the path that I've taken uh, with you after after the what was it eight? I think it's eight um, sessions that I had with you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's it's made me a better person. It's made me see things very differently and be a lot more comfortable within myself. Um, accept that people are different and we don't all have to be the same. Um, and, you know, people can take different positions in your life and it can be temporary and that is fine. Oh, that, that's lovely. You know, this this podcast isn't necessarily an ad for me, right? You don't have to say those things. <laughs> <laughs> No, I know. But if anyone is out there that, you know, is feeling um, uncomfortable or just wants to talk, um, you know, I would I would encourage them to, to reach out to you because what it's done for me has, I think it's that one word, that one word summarizes it. It's made me feel comfortable. Mm. And that's very important. You know, for a long time, I haven't felt myself. Mm. And, you know, at 36, you'd think probably, you know, I should have experienced that. Uh, but it takes it takes time. You know, life is hard. There's lots of ups and downs. And uh, I think, you know, what, what journey I, I had with you is is brought me to a conclusion, which is I'm a lot more comfortable within myself. Mm. Well, that's lovely. Thank you for sharing that. Um, well, of course, you know, head to at Brown Bear Coaching on Instagram and get your own comfort right now. Yeah. <laughs> no, thank you. I appreciate it. I appreciate it. So, 36, Sydney, you're into some fetishes, and you're one of my guests that's just kind of a regular gay man. So, we're going to dive into your life and learn about you as we go with just a focus on all the fun gay bits. Are you ready? 
Yeah, absolutely. All Let's right. do it. Cool. So when, if ever, did you realize you were different? Oh, early on for me, I I knew, I would say 12, 13 was when I knew I was different. I didn't know what was different, but um, it was very much early on. I knew that I was more attracted to men and wanted to explore more of that than anything else. Mm, okay. When did you understand that you were gay, G-A-Y, gay? 18. Ooh. Yeah, and I remember this uh, very well because I started uh, to um, – I, I actually got a job at Topman in the UK. Um, so Topman's a clothing shop, and I uh, worked there. And there was a couple of gay guys uh, within that space, and they were very comfortable. And they obviously – well, I say obviously – they explained to me that they knew that I – uh, was gay and we started talking uh, quite uh, frequently and you know things led to uh, hanging out to each other etc and I then got more comfortable with them and actually said that I was bisexual at first so then I was appeasing to to what my mindset was trying to pull me away from being comfortable that I was gay um, and then for, for a while uh, I, I went out with them uh, onto the gay scene you know I was spending time with them on the phone talking to them we would talk about men all the time um, in a sexual way, in a fetish way. And that then progressed me to then being comfortable to say that I was gay. Ah, all right. Awesome. So in one way, kind of late, like G-A-Y, gay. Is 18 the point at which you realized that the label was you and you found some level of acceptance of that? Or was it earlier than 18 that you realized gay people exist, but you thought you weren't one of them or you refused to admit it or- I refused to admit it for a time. So, um, but you knew I, it. You you knew yeah. it, but you refused it. Yeah, I was trying. To, I was trying to. Um, I was trying to tell myself I wasn't gay. Yeah, and I was trying to convince myself that I liked women mm. because that was normal. I, I come from a, a regional um, area within the northeast of, the, of of England. You know, so yes, okay, gay was. It was out there. There was a gay scene, um, a very good gay scene at the time. Um, it was just something that I never felt comfortable in. I didn't have anyone to really speak to. And then when I started working, I was 16 at the time, started working for Top Man and then got introduced to, you know, different characters and, and obviously gay people. Yeah. And that's when I, that being gay was was fine. It was There was nothing wrong with it. It was, you know, who you are. And after some time, then I went from that stage of saying, yep, yeah, I'm straight. Yep, yeah, I'm bisexual. No, actually, I'm, I'm gay. <laughs> then it's yeah. fine. Oh, that's lovely. Well, I mean, did you feel totally comfortable with the fact that you were gay at that time? Or like, what did it mean for you? I am G-A-Y gay. I'm 18 years old now. What did that mean for you then? At the time when I first realized I was gay and I could talk to somebody, I felt free. I felt like I could beat myself. Mm. I felt that I could explore what I wanted to explore, be with the people that I wanted to be with, but more importantly, be me. Yeah. There was still something that I was hiding, and that was um, I wasn't able to um, talk to my mom, and my mom I'm very close to. So uh, for, for a period of time, I was talking to my friends, and they knew that I was gay. Um, and I wasn't having that conversation with my mom. So after some time, I, you know, got the courage. I was having so much fun on the gay scene and I was having so much fun with my friends and I wasn't able to share that with my mom. And I felt, mm. I felt bad. I felt guilty. Mm. Um, so I remember coming home 
and my mum was making her bed and I walked up the stairs and I said, oh, mum, I've got something to tell you. And she said, oh, what is it? And I went, oh, I'm gay. And uh, she just dropped the bed in in her hands and then ran over to me and hugged me and said, I love you. Mm. And we we spoke for a good two, three hours on the bed Mm. and she was trying to push that whole bisexual, oh, I'm, you know, you've always liked girls, you had a girlfriend. And I was very confident to say, no, ma'am, I was hiding that. And mm. I am gay, I know that. Mm. She, this was the first conversation I had with her. Mm. And then my dad came up the stairs and my dad went, what are you two girls talking about? And oh, that's what my mom went, yeah, that's what my mom went, well, this is it. David is a girl, he's gay. Oh, God. Uh, which, which was funny. But, um, my dad's Su- support, but like yeah, cringe, yeah. but oh, God. Yep. Okay. How'd it go? But my dad just went, oh, son, and you. Um, I remember seeing your porn collection at one point. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know, that, that was a big moment for me because uh, I was like, oh, my, I thought my dad, if anyone, wouldn't be that comfortable. But yeah. he he loved me. And yeah. It was it was amazing, and then after that, it was it was very different. You know, the nice having my family know was 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 freedom, and it was yeah. beautiful and conversations. Yeah, fuck, it is it is it's such a out of what's the word out of the forest into the clearing. I don't know. I'm not finding an analogy, but like light into the light of day. Like it, it, when you can actually just be yourself and you have a yeah. space to be your whole self, it is utterly different. Yeah. And you can just talk, you know, freely. Comfortably. Like, I having, yeah. I, I remember just like meeting guys and there was a guy that I wanted to date and I just knew that I wanted to be able to bring him home mm. and meet my parents. And if I hadn't told him I was gay, I couldn't do that. Yeah. So I just, it was beautiful. It was really nice to have that experience. And, and I grew up in a family where, you know, we, we never berated um, gay people. Mm. But I remember, you know, there was jokes had um, about gay people. Right. And they were never ma- malicious. My parents aren't like that. But I, I remember when I came out, that all stopped. So because they knew that it was wrong, what they had done before. Yes. When they jokingly went on about gay people, George Michael, you know, some idols within um, uh, the gay community, etc. Yeah. Uh, and there was, you know, just jokes every now and then. And as soon as I came out, they were like, oh, we can't do that anymore. I was like, you can, it's fine. Like, I never took it as anything other than a joke anyway. But mm. all of that changed. It did change. And it, it does show you that if you are a sensitive person, a young you know, person that you know you're different and you know you're a gay man and you have a family around you who are jokingly talking about gay people, it's hard for you to to probably come out, and I think I think you just need to remember that um, your family aren't berating or hating on gay people. It's just we're we're in, unfortunately sometimes in a culture where we joke and we shouldn't we shouldn't we shouldn't do that. But also, it's it's actually not a bad thing, mm. and it, it's just how you take it and what you perceive of that. Yeah, it's super hard for a child to make heads or tails of mm. the. Mm. What what I'm hearing here is like the the good natured but still ribbing jokes. If you're super sensitive and super insecure, you'll be offended and upset right. by them, right? But if you're comfortable right. and you see it as, yeah, we know we shouldn't do this, but we do it because it's funny. And you know, if it, yeah, I get it, <laughs> I get it. It 
Yeah, I overheard my family say a couple of things. Uh, most it was only a line here or there. It was never vitriolic, but yeah, that did have a, a quite a big impact on me. And I was like, I'm really unsure how Dad feels about this. I'm really unsure about my aunt and uncle. I mentioned what they said once. It was something like, you know, why do they have to have the pride parade all up in our faces? That that classic line. Yeah. Um, turns out. Yeah, no, as soon as they found out, they they sought me out at the next family barbecue and they're like, oh, by the way, your mum told us and we just want you to know that you're we love you and you're great and you're different and we also have some other family friends who are different and that's great and we love you and we just wanted to say that. And I have a very anxious uncle, but he went out of his way to do that. So, it was quite nice. It is, it is. And it's just, it's funny how them conversations have to be had, even though that- Yeah, Absolutely they're not necessarily needed because you have an understanding, but it's so nice that they've been able to say it. Yeah. Just to clear the they are needed. You need to know, you need this certainty of, of not just tolerance, but acceptance and love and that it's all right. Yeah. Yeah. You know, cause kids, how the, how the fuck are kids supposed to navigate this? It's very hard because you immediately run into the sex stuff and you know, sex plus kids equals no. So socially, culturally we're, it, it's hard. It's hard for a lot of people to talk about um, sexual diversity to young people. Yeah, no, I agree. Yeah. It is hard. It's and then hard. it gives you a lack of information and then that has flow-on effects. And then the kids are wondering, well, if we don't talk about this openly, it must be a bad thing, right? So there's the shame for you straight away. Yeah. <laughs> Fuck. Yeah. <laughs> it's hard to oh. be us. We're so good. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> We've done so much. Yeah. <laughs> When you were coming out, did anyone's reaction surprise you? Maybe beyond your mum and dad, because we got that now. Anyone yeah. else? Yeah, absolutely. And I was actually really surprised by this. Oh, yeah. Um, it was my sister. Mm-hmm. Um, and I didn't actually know until a while after. So um, the same day that I told my parents I've just um, talked about, uh, my mum and my dad, uh, my sister um, uh, came home from school and she always gets dropped off in a taxi. My sister went to a, um, a private school, uh, for her education. Um, so not that she went to a private school for, because we were rich or anything like that. It was basically because she needed, um, special education. So that's why she um, had that, uh, special attention. So my sister arrived from, from, um, uh, school, she walked up the stairs and my mom said, oh, David's got something to tell you. Um, and so I told her, I went, oh, yeah, I'm gay. And my, my sister's reaction was, oh, that's horrible. Mm. Walked into her bedroom and slammed the door. Now, I didn't think anything of that. That is my sister. That's how she always reacts to anything, okay? Right. Two weeks later, she came up to me, knocked on my bedroom door, walked in, and went, I'm so sorry for acting the way I did. I didn't mean to say that, and I love you. Hmm. And that's when I knew that she took it negatively mm. and it, she didn't understand it. Mm. And you didn't even know, which is nice. No, so it spared no, you no. a bit of suffering and anguish. Yeah, yeah. But she came around within two weeks anyway. Yeah, yeah. yeah. She she was like, oh, um, you know, we I've heard a lot of bad things about gay people and gay people die. And yeah. we've spoken about it at school. And AIDS. Gay people have, yeah, HIV. Yeah. Um, so it was, it was a good conversation that we had out of it. Um, mm-hmm. And she thought I was going to be different. Yeah. She was like, I, I, you know, I thought you were going to um, go dancing and do all this and, and wear tutus and blah, blah, blah. I'm like, no, I'm going to borrow your clothes. Like, <laughs> She's like, don't touch my bras. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But my, um, my, my sister is special to me um, because, you know, she, although she's my older sister, she's 
hearing impaired, mm. and she has learning difficulties. So I've always been the the bigger brother, but and the one that's looked after her. Right. Uh, but obviously, she's always been older, so it's always been a special bond that we've had. And I've when I was growing up, uh, my sister couldn't uh, complete sentences. So I used to complete them for her because I knew what she was, you know, referring to, et cetera, et cetera. So we've always had a beautiful bond mm. and, and um, you know, understanding that that actually hit her in a different way without me even knowing about it. She just took it on board. She dealt with it, processed it. That mm. was a big thing for her. Nice. Uh, and it was really nice that, you know, she actually came to me because that's something that she wouldn't do. So it was, it was beautiful. Nice. Oh, that's lovely. Oh, you're full of lovely stories. This is great. Yeah. Did you have a first crush? How did it go? Yeah. Um, we all do, don't we? Um, my first crush was, uh, <laughs> so in, in the UK, uh, we have a, a shopping center um, in Newcastle called the Metro Center. And at the time, there was an indoor amusement park called Metroland. And there was a guy who I was obsessed with who we worked on the roller coaster. Mm-hmm. So I used, to, um, I used to work in the Metro Center at Topman. Mm. Um, and I used to, on my lunch break, go for um, a ride on the roller coaster just so I could spend some time with him. Mm-hmm. Um, and then because obviously I had my friends at Topman who I came out to, et cetera, et cetera, they were like, oh, who do you like? Blah, blah, blah. And I was like, oh, this guy actually mm. at the park. And mm. then they came with me and they were like, oh, we should ask him out for you. And they did. Like, and it progressed and blah, blah, blah. He really? Was straight. Yeah, yeah. It, 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 he, he was totally straight. They asked me out. Uh, they, asked, they asked him out for me. Yeah. He was straight, had a girlfriend, and then I never went back. Oh, <laughs> damn. That's swing and a miss. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, at least you swung. Oh, you got your friends to swing for you. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I wasn't confident, you know, like. Who uh, is? 16, yeah. 18? Yeah. I was not confident to have that conversation. Jesus like this, this, this would be literally, like, I had never kissed a gay man. Yeah. Never. Sorry, never kissed. How many straight never, men had you kissed? But exactly, I was going to say, never kissed another <laughs> man. Um, you know, never spoken to another man on that level. So um, the fact that my friend was so confident uh, just went up and went, oh, my mate, uh, David likes you. Um, would you like to go on a date with him? <laughs> mm. um, but yeah, straight. Your friends were very uh, forward, at least, if not confident. How old were they? Same age as me. Huh. Yeah. That's kind uh, of amazing. Mm, it is. There's a story there um, to go into in terms of them, but um, probably probably for another time. But uh, okay. basically, um, them two were in a relationship together. Yeah. Uh, so they had, you know, um, assisted each other in terms of coming out and and um, experiencing so much more than me. So, right. Um, you know, they were about three years ahead of me on the gear scene. Right. And they were each other's kind of support and being seen by and being held by even and even sexual experiences, I guess. They're actually still together now. Oh, Um, that's adorable. Like they've had, you know, they broke up and they've seen other people, but um, they're they're back. I mean, they're married now, um, living together and stuff. So, wow. Yeah. That's That's very cool. Oh, Mm. cool. The next question is, did you have like, do you remember or was there a time when you had like a profound first sexual awakening? But with you, because I know you're into a couple of things, can I get you to separate it into like men, 
other, 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 other? Like, can I hear about all of your first sexual awakenings? If if that's how they happen for a person with fetishes? I don't really have any, so. We'll be here all day, but sure, let's do it. Oh, okay, cool. Just hit me with your top ten or five. <laughs> Whatever feels right. Let's, let's, yeah, let's do a few. Let's go off. So, um, my first um, experience was a guy uh, from Top Man. Um, he took me out. Uh, we sorry, we were out on a staff night out, um, and then he um, probably the wrong thing, but took me to one side, and then you know I'm a virgin, etc. So we ended mm-hmm. up having sex. It wasn't the best experience at all. It was a bit forced from his side, was it? He kind of yeah, forced yeah, himself yeah. onto you a bit. Yeah, yeah. Uh, okay. But look, I wanted, I wanted it. Yeah, I wanted to experience it, and it was it was what I wanted at the time. Uh, but it was nowhere anything to write about. It was just a you know a pump and a squirt, really. <laughs> okay, so th- that was your first sexual experience. Yeah. But yeah. what about the first time that you're like, oh, I like this thing? So the thing happened within you, not necessarily outside of you. Yeah. So uh, my main fetish is leather you know, labels wise, but people would call me a, a leather man. Um, so I ride a motorbike, whether leathers I go with that and then have all the bluff uh, gear that goes with that as well. Mm-hmm. Um, my first sexual experience um, with leather was with a guy called David, same, um, same name as me. He was an older guy and I, I do go for older men as well. And um, we met through a dating site called Recon, which is R-E-C-O-N, which um, focuses on fetishes. Mm -hmm. So bikers, leathers, uh, rubber, uh, sports kit, all the different sort of fetish types. Mm -hmm. We we spoke and we met at TGI Fridays for a drink. Um, and he said, oh, it'd be great if you come back to mine. Um, and obviously, we spoke online about bringing um, leathers, so my leathers, and I, I went back to his. All right, but hang on, hang on. Yeah. You're telling me about another sexual experience, but you must have known that you liked leather before any of this happened. Oh, yeah, okay. So I first knew I knew about leather uh, from a very young age. Um, I would have been in my teens. Uh-huh. Uh, what happened? I- you're on the couch, you're just like, I fucking love this? <laughs> what happened? I used to curve over my neighbor. Uh, my neighbor, um, I had a bedroom, which the uh, was at the front of the house. Uh-huh. And um, I used to watch my neighbor uh, who had a motorbike and yeah. he used to wear the bike leathers. So he'd be up in the morning, five in the morning, I'd hear the bike and I'd run to the window and just be fascinated by um, uh-huh. the, the sound of the bike, et cetera, was also exciting. Um, but I loved the whole, you know, the helmet, the look, um, the sort of the hard sort of masculinity that went with it. Yeah, yeah. When he, he look, he was married, had a wife and two children. Uh-huh. But I always spoke to him when he was outside. Always spoke to him about the bike, and always just stared at his leathers. Like, mm-hmm. like how, how roughly how old were you? I would have been God back then. Uh, I'd have been as young as nine. Wow. Nine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Um, so that that progressed into me then um, actually buying a set of leathers on eBay, mm-hmm. um, a, used, a used set. Um, so. I could afford them. And, you know, that turned into um, me generating and building my own collection of leather. So I bought leather pants and stuff. I had a boyfriend um, and I bought him a pair of leather pants just like to fit him. And I made him wear them, but he wasn't interested in them. So it was just me getting off on it. It's Um, funny, isn't it? Fetishes are amazing. You know, for one person, it does all this stuff and it's magical and energetic and powerful. And then for someone else, it's like, 
why the fuck are we doing this? Like what? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and there's no rhyme well, or reason. He, he was, he was a lovely guy. He, um, you know, he, he, he tried them on and it was just, I knew that there was nothing there for him. So yeah. Kind of like, oh, I'm just forcing it. Disappointment. Um, yeah. yeah. But no one can control it. There's nothing you can do about exactly. it. So yeah. yeah. Huh. So that then progressed to me, like looking on recon, which is why I had the recon profile uh, for, um, you know, finding connections and things. So at the time I was single and um, then I was starting to explore with experiences um, and especially all leather, everything leather related. Mm. That's when I had my first sexual experience with David. He was um, a leather, he was a leather man, uh, not a biker. Uh, okay. Yep. Okay, cool. So, Gay, older, leather. Should we go to five? What's number four? And I'm, we're talking about awakenings, right? So the point at which you realized, oh, something is going on for me here in terms of something. I like um, the whole subdom uh, space. Uh-huh. Me being more of a sub than being more of a dom. Uh-huh. Um, so that was an awakening, actually, in a, a really awkward space because it happened at work. Okay. So I used to work for a, um, a building company in the UK. Mm-hmm. And I, I had a very awkward but exciting relationship with one of the directors. Mm-hmm. And, uh, he wanted me to be his sub. And obviously, I enjoyed that. And uh, we actually had a relationship through work. Okay. Where okay. Hang on. Pause again. Yeah. Yeah. What was the time and the moment and the experience at which you were like, wow, this is a thing for me? Was it after you'd started hooking up with this guy or before that? The office knew that I was gay because I was openly out and he had a wife. Right. And um, he spent and gave me a lot of attention. Okay. So he would ask things of me uh, so reports for example right and he, he was in a different department so he had no connection to me right um, but when we had uh, board meetings um, when i was talking to my director he would interject and want certain things and then he would say oh, i want david to do that that turned me on right so he was like i want david to do that david needs to do that david needs to do that for me and that whole David need to do that for me was yeah doing something yeah, my awakening. Ah, cool. Yes, you answered the question. Yes, that yeah, that yeah. is exactly what I wanted to know. I was I was intrigued. I was like, "What does he want from me?" Is and I look, he was straight. He had kids, so I didn't apparently straight. Yeah, and I I was just thinking he was just wanting documents, and he was just wanting my time, not thinking it was a sexual thing. Obviously, that led to that. Um, so he knew that. Um, over time, obviously, that that was what I like sexually. Um, and it progressed to uh, my sales director was getting married. Yeah. She had myself and then some colleagues at the wedding. He was there and he was like, David, get me a drink. Ooh. I was drunk. So I was like, yes, sir. Oh. And then he smirked. Oh. Went, went and got him a drink, came back give him the drink and went, here you are, sir. And he went, I really like it when you call me that. Oh. <laughs> yeah. And I was like, and obviously I was like, like semi hard. and Right. Fucking like. I bet oh, you were I'm blushing like, hard out and you're being yeah, all yeah, coy yeah, yeah. and, oh God, you're going to start yeah. turning me on now. Carry on. Yeah. <laughs> um, yep. He, obviously there was uh, chemistry. So he was, 
he was referring to me as uh, a boy. Mm. So then stopped calling me David and, and started calling me boy. And then he, he right. at one point, the crowd was sort of interacting, but he put his hand on the back of my neck. And, and I love that feel of a man like holding mm-hmm. me. Mm-hmm. Um, and then it progressed to the point where he said, oh, do you want to go for drinks somewhere more private? Mm. And I was like, yes. And he went, yes, what? And I was, I was confused. And he went, you just called me sir earlier. So yes, what, boy? And I said, yes, sir. Oh, cool. And, and you then, loved it. Yeah. Was it overall, I mean, there was some work complications and probably he had a bit of a power, like a literal power dynamic over you. And so that is a complicated thing, but I'm not going to go into the whole world of all of that just now. Was it a good experience? It was. It was good. It was, it was, um, it was a short um, relationship, but Ah, some of the best ones are. Yeah. But what, what, walking to me in terms of that control and he was a you know he was a higher position than me it was secretive um we you know we used verbal and stuff and it, it was it was fun a lot of fun wow yeah cool all right i feel like you've probably uh awoken a couple of people listening to the podcast potentially <laughs> um do you want to do one more or should we leave it there for awakenings i know that your uh your chosen special topic is labels so maybe yeah yeah um it, it's progressed from it has progressed in terms of my fetishes to the point where um, I've have been in a relationship where I had a, a daddy boy relationship, mm-hmm. um, and the daddy boy relationship um, is different to a, a dom sub um, in the sense that you're more of a slave, and if you're a dom sub, mm-hmm. whereas a dad boy, you've got that bond and you've got a different connection. Is it more like emotional caring and like paternal protection kind of yeah. love, love and care? There's more yeah, loving yeah, than yeah. commanding. That that's exactly what it is. Yeah, uh, and then you have obviously the different the different requirements that go with being a boy. Um, so you know, being available for him and making sure that sexually that you know you 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 do what he says and um, you know you, your your growth is dependent on um, you know that that father figure. Okay. Huh. All right. Cool. So. Um- did would you say that your awakening for that was it kind of simultaneously with the the wedding thing in this older guy at no. your company? No, because I didn't know that I was at that point. That was still like very much a sir boy, ah. like, sir dom, sorry, a sir sub, and it was just sexually just right. If you look at a dom and a sub, usually that role takes place in the bedroom. Yep, that boy is something that is pervasive. Yeah, and it's in the relationship. Okay. So yeah, you know, it's 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 all day, every day. You know, out with your friends. Um, you know, people identify you as a boy. They identify that you have a dad. Yeah. Um, whereas the dom sub thing is usually just in the bedroom. Hmm. All right. Cool. Hey, um, I can imagine what your answer is going to be, but here's my standard question: What kind of gay stuff, in terms of like gay community, gay content, do you love that exists? today hmm. i love tom of finland oh yep 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 classic yeah i socialize on the gay scene uh with sydney leatherman which is a new social group that's dedicated to um leatherman and there's a couple of other social uh groups as well uh one being the hide um which is is a good space to be at i prefer sydney leatherman it's more adult um a little bit more mature hmm. 
Um, and in terms of uh, Sydney does have a, it's not as probably progressed as uh, Europe in, in terms of different scenes and, and, and different communities. Right. So there is there is a, a biker group uh, which is dedicated to gay men, uh, where you can uh, meet other obviously gay men and go for for bike rides as well. So I, I am a member of that. Okay. Uh, that's just checking, uh, just checking. I've been more and more conscious these days when we just say gay men. Um, is it inclusive? Can you not consider yourself entirely a man and still go? Can you have a vagina and still go if you consider yourself a man? Like, is it inclusive or? The only one that's not inclusive is um, Sydney Leatherman. It's, it's dedicated to men. Okay. Well, you mean men with penises? Yeah. Okay. And so you can't really be non-binary if you're like, I'm a bit gender fluid. It's like, mm, okay, we love you, but this is our space. No, thank you. Correct. Yeah. Oh, that's okay. The, the hide is very inclusive. Yep. Um, Homoto is inclusive, but there's there's another um, a group called Dykes on Bikes. Yep. Uh, but women, I mean, uh, there is a few women that have road uh, with us um, in Homoto, hmm. but it's it's infrequent. Okay. Oh, cool. Um, is there any gay stuff? Like what gay stuff in the gay world, gay community, gay stuff? Is there anything you hate or really dislike? I really dislike drugs. Ah. Uh, the the overuse of it. Yeah. I understand, you know, you do things and uh, – I've, I've tried drugs, right? I think, you know, majority of people have. Mm. Uh, but I just I, I still see day in, day out that drugs are pushed on people. And it's it's almost like a free-for-all. I, I, I hate that. I hate the fact that it's so commonly pushed on people and that, oh, it's seen as that like you'll have a better time if you're on drugs. That that to me is n- not true. And uh, it's, it's time that... Uh, you know, as a society altogether, never mind the gay community, mm. uh, you know, that um, there's, there's better measures in place to, to support that. Support? The, the, you know, removing the use of drugs. From social and nightclubs and... Yeah, 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 yeah. You mean in like a police kind of way? I don't think in a police way. I think because if police, you know, um, you, you, if police say you can't do something, you go and do it. <laughs> yeah, be a place of um, socially just accepting, um, and a lot more work to do with you know us as as a as a race. Yeah, that don't put pressure on people to do drugs if they don't want to do it. Don't do it if you want to do it. Do it, but don't put pressure on your friends to do it. I think it needs to be more of that. Yeah, social change. Now you're talking my language. Yeah, yeah, nice. Yeah, I'm also just tangentially like pretty interested in the idea that we could decriminalize all drugs, but treat every drug as a medical uh, slash mental health slash lifestyle situation. Cause I think something, some substances are addictive. That's scientifically true, but most it's like that rat experiment, right? The one where you give rats lots of, um, what is it? Heroin. And they take it until they die. But if you give them mates and a playground and open space and good food and mates as in sexual and also friends, they don't do it. They don't do all the drugs. They don't binge. So that that is the quintessential driving force behind my like passion for social change to say, if someone's abusing drugs, it's not because the drug started like causing them. I think it's more the other way. They are abusing the drugs because they're running from a feeling or they have a problem with reality and they don't like their life. So they'd rather hit the drugs to get away from the thing. That's the addictive component. And that's why people can get addicted to anything. Yeah, of course. Yeah, yeah, and, yeah, and I, I do think you're right. It's that 
in that phrase that you use there, social change, I think that needs to, you know, just empowering more people to make it's decision that they want to make. Mm. It's not about a good decision or a bad decision. You know, I'm not going to say that you shouldn't take drugs. That's, that's not what I'm saying here, but I just think, you know, there should be less pressure on your friends. You know, if you want to take it, take it, but don't push it on somebody else. Yeah. Yeah. That would be hard. I haven't really seen that. Um, I guess I don't go out anywhere near as much as you, but I haven't seen people like pushing drugs, but yeah, that's awful. Mm. Like strongly suggesting or encouraging everyone to do it. Yeah. It's not nice. There's there's things that happen on the gay scene that, um, and look, I I say the gay scene, but uh, kind of every scene, but we we are different, but we're not, but we are. Yeah. Yeah. I would imagine it probably happens on the straight scene just as much, maybe more. I don't know. I Mm. I don't do the straight scene as such. So Mm. I think it happens socially. Hmm. Yeah, I hear. Nice. Are you in a relationship? Um, there is a special somebody, yes. Ooh, is there anything special or unusual about it? And I'm going to remove the fetish thing because that's probably there, but it, <laughs> anything else special or unusual about it? Uh, for me, um, unusual would be the fact that he's younger than me. I normally go for older. Ah, is he your daddy? <laughs> no. Ah, okay. I've I've heard of that before. Like a younger guy is the daddy and the yeah, older yeah, guy is the boy. Yeah. He's 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 called me daddy a couple of times, which is new to me. Oh yeah. Anything? Yeah. It's it's look, I'm not saying no to it. It's this is the thing that, you know, with with you, the 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 work that I did with you, mm. you know, when I met you, I was a boy, right? And I was um very much coming out of a relationship who was my dad. And um, you know, what I've seen in my progress within myself as a person is that you know a label's a label and you can change and you can adapt and that's fine so i have done a lot of work uh, with my pt as well and and, and developed a different physique and i am being seen as a different person now Mm. so i'm not being seen as a boy i'm being seen as more alpha yeah uh, and people are coming to me going, Hey daddy. And that, look, I'm 36. So technically you, you fall into it. Yeah. You're in the, you're in the box now. Yeah. (laughs) Well, I wouldn't say that, but apparently it's when you get to your forties, when you get into the box, but I'm changing, you know, I'm evolving. Yeah. And um, so look, I'm not, look, I've been called a daddy a couple of times, which is interesting. It's fun. I've got no issue with it because it's, it's that. And, that's the thing with labels they, they don't necessarily matter. It's what, what it's, what's working for you at the time. It's how you feel. Yeah. It's much more important that the individual knows how they feel, what they're about, what they want, what they don't want. And then the labels are like this macro tool, right. To kind of try and categorize things for convenience's sake, but the label's yeah. not more important than any given individual. Correct. Yeah. 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 Nice. Let's move on to your topic. So you wanted to talk about labels yeah. in general, and we just started, so great. Yeah. Uh, is there something you want the audience to hear? How are you passionate about this? Or like, what do you want to say on the topic? I think what I want to try and put across is that, you know, the, the, the gay scene does love a label. And what I want 
to try and highlight is that just because you may have been given a label or you may think you're somebody. And what I mean by that is, you know, we've used labels such as dad, boy, sub, sub, dom. Top, def- bottom, side, yeah, top, switch. Yeah, that's, that's, that's another one. Yeah, um, definitely. Like twink and bears and et cetera, et cetera. Yep. Um, labels are just that. They're nothing more than that. And over the course of my time as, you know, accepting the set, the fact that I am gay and I've, you know, been in the community for a long time is you don't have to be one label. You can be more than one and you shouldn't allow that label to affect you. And if you get called something, don't let it affect you. Mm. You know, I, I see so many gay men um, get offended when someone goes, oh, you're a twink or are oh, you a bottom or are oh, you a top um, and or oh, you're a queen, you know, and that, 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 that shouldn't be what upsets you. You know, that's, that's not what the gay community is about. If you get called something, it's because you have related to something which involves you possibly being what's identified as a queen or what's identified as a boy. And that's seen in a good way. It's seen as a good trait, you know? Um, like for someone to say to me, and I got offended at first when they called me a daddy, I was like, I'm not a daddy, I'm a boy. And I got really offended by it. Mm. And, you know, someone tapped me on the shoulder and said, but they're saying that to you in a way of looking up to you as a dad, just like you a few years ago looked yeah. up to your dad. Yeah. Don't you think that's nice? And yeah. when that yeah. com- when when that was said to me, I was like, yeah, well, I don't know why I got upset for that because actually the label that I had from that person was them identifying with me as something that they wanted. They, yeah, they that they were relating to or yeah. seeing something that made that make sense. Yeah. Yeah. And I guess you, you realized I'm me and them calling me a label doesn't change me. They're attempting to express or clarify or categorize something or me, but them doing that doesn't change me. (laughs) I'm me. And just because somebody calls me a daddy doesn't actually have any bearing on my inner true self. Exactly. And so what's there to be upset about? It's like either they're right or they're wrong, but it's not personal or they're slightly right or slightly wrong. But certainly getting upset about it isn't going to help anyone have a good time. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. I think the point with the labels is, you know, we, we I, I, as I said earlier, the gay scene does um, have a lot of labels in it, which is great because then you can't identify as something. And that that's key. It is key to to feel comfortable in a space. You know, you have the pups, for example. Yeah, there's a belonging. Yeah. And there's a sense, there's a sense of, um, you know, community when you do yeah. have a label, which yeah. is fine. Us, commonality, yeah. tribe. Yeah. yeah. But don't don't let that overrule you. Don't let that be yeah. what you are. You know, be be yourself and allow yourself to evolve. Don't get stuck under that label. Yeah, and don't ever try to define someone else's truth by your choice of label label for them. That's ridiculous. Like everyone is a full and complete person first with their own specific attributes. <laughs> let that happen first, and then for ease of communication, meaning, and as a good tool, use a label. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Nice. Anything else on labels? No, I think um, that's covered it. Got it. Nice. Alrighty. Uh, my topic. I love to talk about shame. I uh, I know it can be uncomfortable or difficult, but it's a part of all of us, especially us. 
right? So do you harbor still any shame today? What's that like? Um, are we talking as in as a as a as a gay man or in in different shame in different ways? Every every way. I like talking about shame, not just gay shame, but all of shame. There's there's some shame that I ha- that I do harbor onto, which I shouldn't. I should let go. But um, when I was younger, I got myself into some financial mess, um, and it, it took a while for me to get out of that. And I was ashamed of myself because I was very young. And I took out, you know, a car loan and I took out a mortgage and I couldn't afford to pay it back. Mm. And, and that sat with me for some time. And I still now, like I went to buy a car today and I was second guessing what I'm doing and thinking, am I doing the right thing here? And all of that, you know, that, that, that guilty, that, dark, yeah. heavy feeling. Came back and I was like, you, you don't need this new car, David. You've got a nice car. You don't need something else. Mm. Uh, financially, what are you doing? Are you going to be put back in that position again? But, you know, I'm I'm a lot older and I'm a lot wiser and I've learned from that. But I still carry that shame of what I did back then because I did have my family involved in it. And I, and I regret that. And that, that's probably the shame that I would still uh, hold on to. Mm. Okay. So it was like I got myself in over my head financially, which was maybe reckless. But the shame bit is like, it has to relate back to you and you have to go, I am wrong because X, Y, Z. So did yeah. you did you consider yourself reckless, untrustworthy, or like I hurt my family or I jeopardized my family, I'm I'm bad? Is that? Well, I, yeah, I, yeah, I, felt, I felt bad on my family. I, I felt like I jeopardized uh, my relationship with my dad. Um, and I felt like I was, was reckless. You know, I, I, I thought about myself and, and no one else. Um, and I, I took out finance uh, because I wanted a particular car and it was, it was silly of me and I didn't need it. I didn't need to. In hindsight, is it an understandable mistake and a human thing to have done and a valuable lesson or not? It's a, it's a very valuable lesson because it's set me up now. So whilst I did that at a young age, you know, I'll never go back there again. Um, yeah. And it has been a life lesson, absolutely. Yeah. So. Good. You said, um, you said you shouldn't harbor the shame, but your ability to share it and own it and be honest about it, I think perhaps there's not that much left hopefully it seemed like there was a bit of like a PTSD reaction within you as well. You're like, Oh God, I'm having horrible flashbacks to an awful experience. I don't think that's shame necessarily. That's more like I have a visceral experience with this thing. So when this thing comes up, I have a very strong uh, uh, emotional reaction and lots of feelings come to me. Yeah. That's not necessarily, they're, they're related, especially in this case, but not necessarily the same. Is that, is that fair? Yeah, it's fair. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. All right, cool. And yeah, you also said shouldn't. So I'm going to do a coachy thing for a second. <laughs> Shoulds and shouldn'ts suggest that there's a judgment in there. And if you say, I shouldn't X, Y, Z, you're suggesting that who you are now is wrong or how you are now is wrong. And I don't think that's what you mean to say. Uh, you might want to say like, I don't want to hold on to this shame or I don't like that I hold on to this shame, but I shouldn't is going to be a judgment. And it's also going to create a gap between who you are today and what you believe you should be. And that's just going to cause unnecessary suffering. So if you think and be careful about your shoulds and your shouldn'ts and your musts and your needs and your ought tos, 
then we're not going to create unnecessary suffering by creating a difference between who and how we are today and what we should or shouldn't be in our own perception. We can be absolutely enough and good. We can make mistakes. We can fail. And all of that is acceptable. And we can remain, quote unquote, good the whole time without judging ourselves. It's just not necessary. Yeah, yeah. There you go. There you go. <laughs> I don't know. I go on rants about these things. That's good. <laughs> was there a time where you had a lot more shame? What was that like? Um, no. Um, really? Even the gay thing? Even the sex thing? Even the no shame? I never had, I never had shame. Really? Because, no. I never had shame as being, a, uh, being gay. Not that I recall. No. Yeah. I believe that, you know. I find you to be a very frank, straight f- shooting, like, you open up easily, and that's why coaching with you is such a joy. I'm impressed, though, because I, I definitely had way more shame than none, obviously. But I had, yeah, I felt terrible about things, but you didn't. Did you? Um, here's a candid question. The first time you masturbated, did you feel guilty and shameful or not? Yeah, I did. Oh, okay. Yeah, okay. Yeah, I did. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I was I think I was talking to my boyfriend and he's like no such people don't exist where they didn't feel shame the first time and I was like yeah no 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 they're rare but I have met them. He doesn't believe me. So I'm going to try and find one on the show so we can get someone on record as saying I jerked off and I thought it was wonderful <laughs> and nothing was wrong. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's a, look, and it, since you mentioned it sometimes I feel shame um, when I've been in a relationship and I've really wanted to have sex and they've not been interested, I've then gone off in a mood and gone to gone to the bedroom and shut the door and had to sort myself out. And then afterwards, I felt shame for doing so. For sorting yourself out or because you're a disgusting, sexual, uh, voracious animal pig? Because I'm an animal pig, yeah. And uh, I like that you are it. wrong. Your sex drive is wrong. Your needs are wrong. Your request yeah. is wrong. Yeah, I've got, look, I've got a, I've always had a very active sex drive. Yeah. uh, And I know that. And that's something I've learned in my relationships. Um, I can have sex every day, three, four times a day, like crazy. Mm. Um, And I know that other people aren't like that. And that's fine. Yeah. But I like to meet in the middle somewhere. And I can't even meet in the middle because my sex drive is that. Yeah. You're really, you're really an outlier. Like, I think it's 1% of people probably that feel that way. So it makes it tough for you to find, um, satisfaction yeah usually like relationships you know you have sex once a week and then that goes down to once a month (laughs) (laughs) yeah i can't do that yeah yeah i feel you brother it's uh tough it's tough you're doing a good job thanks (laughs) how do you rate your own life out of 10 these days i'd be really cocky if i said 10 would you yeah uh i don't know but honestly right now it's I have to say, I, I yeah, uh, uh, ten. I've Hooray! Got, I, <laughs> Fuck yes. <laughs> I, I've, I've got a, I've got a, I've got a good head. Um, I've got nothing to complain about. Mm. I'm in a position where I have a good job with a good income, and my family are well, very well, healthy. Mm. Although that in the new, uh, in the UK, we talk regularly. Mm. I am I'm healthy um, and I'm on to, you know, new journey within myself, uh, which I love. And that's, you know, also, again, thanks to you. And in terms of where my fitness is, it's, it's better than it's ever been. Mm. And what I love right now is that, 
either financially or emotionally um there for my friends mm. and I'm, I'm 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 kind of paying it forward and i like that mm, helping people yeah 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 nice and you're full of power and safety and capability and energy so yeah i think a lot of people want that mm, yeah i don't think it's cocky though is it fair to say your life tell me if this is true for you life's 10 out of 10 not just because everything is good and everyone's healthy and i have lots of money and food and sex or whatever but because even if any of those things aren't true it doesn't truly create a problem for you it creates a situation that you'll do your best in and you're okay with that i'm now in a position where i can if there is a problem i look for a solution and it's not a problem for me anymore yeah they're just situations yeah and on top of that so that that's that's one thing right but then of course we do have very real needs so you definitely do need resources power health you know in order to to feel and for your life to be 10 out of 10 but these two things in conjunction yeah it's fucking good hey hmm. it and it doesn't it doesn't happen you know all the time like in in life you'll go through um ups and downs of course it's life's a roller coaster as in negative emotions will happen to you yeah negative emotions right emotions. would you truly say you're not 10 just because you feel a bit sad or depressed or lonely today today i would say i would be a nine overall i would say i was a 10 and the reason why i'm a nine is because i'm having second thoughts and i've just bought a new car <laughs> <laughs> right but so you look at the quote-unquote problem of the negative feelings with the, or all the feelings that are swirling within you because you've bought this car and it's reminding you of past trauma and all of that's happening can't you aren't you in a position to just say yes these things are happening within me. I wouldn't call them comfortable. I don't love these feelings, but they're just feelings and I'm absolutely, utterly fucking okay. So I can experience lots of negative emotions, but I'm still 10 because nothing's wrong. I'm upset, but nothing's wrong. I'm crying, but nothing is wrong. I'm, 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 um, I'm shook by my purchase and I'm feeling this like, you know, potential for buyer's remorse or whatever the feeling, complex feeling is. But everything's okay. And so I'm still a 10. You are right. I am okay. It's a little bit of bias remorse. And I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm absolutely okay to feel these feelings. Right. Like, if I do have a moment, and this is what I learned from you, mm. if I do have a moment, I allow myself to make sure I feel the emotion. Yeah. And where I do that now is in the shower. Oh, yeah. Like if I feel like I'm going to have an emotion, I go. I'll oh, wait till I go in the shower, and that's my time. Huh. And I, I give me that moment, and it's surprisingly how now I can allow myself to hold the emotion, go in the shower, and then actually, if I need to cry, I cry. Yeah, and it's a, an amazing release. Yeah, I love crying. I wish I could do it more. It's still hard. So powerful. <laughs> Absolutely. So powerful. And afterwards. Like, yeah, done. Okay, dry. Let's go to work. <laughs> yeah. Flush it down the drain, baby. Not because it's wrong or dirty or disgusting, but like it's a place of renewal and regeneration and a privacy yeah. and security and comfort and warmth and nakedness, like realness in the shower. Yeah, it's a beautiful place. It, it's so comforting to be able to uh, be able to allow yourself to feel things. Mm. And like you said, you, you know, you don't need to think negatively on it. It's just accepting them emotions. Mm. Yeah, and then they're not problems; they're just emotions. 
Running from them is certainly going to cause you more problems, I would think, in the short term or definitely the long term. Yeah, ignore something for long enough. See what happens. We all know, right? All, pretty much all of us at some point were like, no, I won't be gay because shame, because society, because culture. How did that turn out for you? Okay. And then you changed, you found your way to change your belief about it. Maybe you came out, maybe you didn't, but you found a certain level of acceptance and you're like, okay, maybe I can be gay. And then did your whole reality change slowly over time or qu- very quickly or both? Yes, it did. Just letting things be what they are and accepting what is, it's crazy. Everyone's just pushing, striving, pushing to become something, to get somewhere. All these should, must, need tos. No, we're all just living. It's just a journey. If something's truly wrong, do something about it. Yeah, and, and it's okay to take the time as well. Don't, yeah. You don't have to overreact. You don't have to do something. You don't have to have an answer right now. Yeah. You don't have to have an answer today. Mm. Not even in the week. You can just allow the emotion, feel it. Mm. And when you are, it's processing. Once you've processed it, then make a decision. Don't act on it right there and then. That's what I've learned. <laughs> nice. I still have weeks where, um, cause I'm working simultaneously on this podcast and my coaching business and the, the posts and the Instagram stuff that goes with that. Um, but also on my illustrated storybook, which is the universal gay man's journey, um, called a gay man coming soon. By now. Um, <laughs> but there will go weeks will go by where I'm like, God damn it, I don't know how to progress this. This is pissing me off. I can't move this forward. Like, fuck, fuck, fuck. I let it take time. I let it be the process. I let myself not succeed in it right now. And I don't make it any worse than it needs to be. And sooner or later, I find a workaround or it's not as bad as I thought. Or someday is out of nowhere. I'm just like, okay. I'm just going to contact 30 more artists today. For some reason today, I don't have a problem with that. I'm just going to get out there and do it. And yeah, I just wanted to echo what you said. Let life happen, but give yourself kindness and grace and space and understanding to just be a person. You don't need to be anything other than what you are. It's fine. Yeah, it is. It really is. Nice. So I got a question here about finding yourself. Have you found yourself? I so that's probably a two-part question for me. Uh, look, yes, I have, mm-hmm. but also I think it's a rhetorical question here: is do we ever find ourselves? Mm-hmm. Are we ever changing? Are we still? one person from time period to time period. But I have, I have to say that, you know, to answer that question for me right now, yes. Mm. That's not to say that I'm not going to evolve. Mm. Um, You know, I'm I'm growing. We're all growing, right? We, you know, you, you don't, you don't, stop growing until you're dead yeah your openness to that do you feel that you're in a perpetual state of constantly finding yourself because you're open to it and because you commit to being open to yourself no matter what you are tomorrow yeah so i always try to look on the 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 curiosity side of life yeah rather than looking at things closed and if you're more curious in your thinking Mm. you know you you have more opportunities and more options in life Mm. Um, and that then has enabled me to be very comfortable and have that feeling that I have found myself mm. right now. Mm. But that's not to say that, you know, 
in six months, in a year's time, that I may be in a situation where I need to then, you know, go deeper and possibly look to find myself again. But yeah. that situation that I'll put myself into mm. is going to be a lot smoother in terms of what I'm going to be able to do mm. to find myself again because I've learned so much mm. and I've grown so much. Mm. How do you do it? How do you do that? It's understanding your values and understanding that you know you as a person remembering what your values are and making sure that you put yourself first so whenever you're trying to find yourself always put yourself in a position where look after you you're number one and make sure you take care of your emotions allow you to feel yourself allow you to feel those emotions and and never overreact always react once you've gone through a process take time time's a fantastic thing to to, to remember to to give us you know that life is busy mm. when you give yourself time to think and that could be in the car going to work you know with a type of music or no music however you want to do it mm. for me i love getting in the car uh, to work um you know across the anzac bridge and the harbour bridge and I give myself that time. I don't answer any phone calls. Uh, and I just prepare myself for the day. And I think on what happened, the, you know, the day before mm. and, and, and make sure that I've processed any emotions that I had. And I'm in a position to take on board what I've got for the week and for the day ahead. So I would say time. Time is really important to make sure that if you are looking um, to find yourself, if we're talking about finding ourselves. Yep. Is, is is the most important thing. Nice. So take the time, but it seems to me as well, you're very deliberately and mindfully finding your kind of, you might say stillness in that motion in the car to, to check in with you and go, what am I feeling? How am I feeling? By finding stillness in that space within your car, no interruptions. This is me and my time. I'm checking in with me. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Checking in, checking in. That's it. Checking in with yourself. I'd say that's how you find your values as well. That, or at least that's the place where you take a value or a belief, and then you smash it up against that feeling of yourself yeah. in that zone, in that in that space and time that you create and you take and you give to yourself. Smash your beliefs and your values up against that and see what comes out. That that is how you feel about things. That is what you believe. That is the values you wish to hold, and you know the truth of it if you can honestly and openly and courageously do that and do it every single fucking day. Yeah. It's not that hard. It's, it's, it's not once you start a process and yeah. once you start, it is at first it's, it's alien. <laughs> yeah, it, true. Fair. Yes. Um, <laughs> I, I still do the fingers. Ah, times. So this was the focusing process to get out of your head and into the present moment, which is to tap your fingers together and go one, two, three, four, five, and then repeat, 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 to be in the present moment and find stillness, yeah? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, cool. Did I show you that? Yeah, you did. Yeah. Oh, nice. Oh, I'm glad you love it. Still do it now. I do it in the boardroom. It's quite funny. My friends, uh, sorry, my colleagues at work, they're like, what are you doing? Oh, <laughs> wow. Should- so courageous of you. So brazen. I love it. Very mindful. A lot of people, you know, mindfulness, the word and meditation, all that gets thrown around a lot. But being able to really share it with someone and to have them find the benefits is so fucking joyous. Yeah. Mm. 
Because until you find it, until you get it and it works for you, it's so lame. That, that's correct. If you, and if you're not doing it right, if you're not, because I've, I've done it before where I've, I've, I've thought, oh, I'll quickly, I'll quickly think what I need to do today. And I'll, th- I'll quickly think, oh, I'll, I'll spend some time doing it. And I've not done it properly. Mm. I've not given myself the dedication. Mm. Don't feel better for it. Um, you've really got to be in the right mindset and you've really got to want to do it. And once you feel the benefits from that, it's you, you, your mindset's very different. Mm. You know you've done it when you've done it. Yeah. yeah. And I suppose that implies that, you know, you haven't done it until you do know that you have done it correctly, like deliberately, actively chosen to give yourself time, space, priority and love and kindness and curiosity and stillness. Exactly. Hey. And I think the stillness is the word. Yeah. Stillness. Yeah. Because you got it because you are inside of you. You're always there. You always have been. Everything is so fucking noisy, especially your mind. And so when all of that is happening, you can't hear you. You can't feel you. No. That's why stillness. Yeah. I like stillness. I thought, yeah, it's stillness, Ed. That's what it is. It's stillness. Give yourself stillness. Yeah. Everyone deserves it. It's beautiful. Yeah. <laughs> Um, in hindsight, are you glad that you were born gay? And I'm also going to add, are you glad that you have fetishes? How do you feel about it? Yes and yes. Yeah? Yeah, 100%. Talk to me. I've had this, I've had this question before and it comes up. It surprised me how many people ask. Um, it's not regular, but I've had it a few times. Um, I've even had ex-boyfriends um, say, are you glad you're gay? And I've gone, yes. I'm like, and what about you? Oh, no, I wish I was straight. And I think, fuck, that's so sad. Yeah, it's a tough spot to be in. It's understandable, yeah. but it's a very tough spot. It just means you haven't really had your journey yet. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm really glad I'm gay. Um, I don't feel like I've missed out or I am missing out. Um, I really enjoy who I am and, and, and you know, where I am in life. Mm. Uh, I really feel that, uh, you know, the community that we have is exciting. Um, yeah, especially for you. Fucking hell, I wish. Yeah. <laughs> I'm so boring. I'm and your once a week guy. I have like <laughs> a mild thing for like teddy bears, but it's not even sexual. <laughs> uh, I just, I don't know. I just love them. My best mate is into um, furry, whatever that is. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. That's a whole world. I am, I am familiar. I might be a little bit into it. Maybe don't tell anybody. No shame. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not saying anything. Um, <laughs> my fetishes, yes, uh, absolutely. Um, I I love the world of fetish. Mm-hmm. Uh, I feel that I'm very lucky. Yeah, very lucky because I have so many different experiences. Yeah, and I hate to say it, like I think lucky is the best way because. You know, you come across loads of different types and that vanilla word gets used quite a lot in the gay scene. Mm. Uh, I don't look at vanilla people badly. I just look at myself as very lucky that mm. I'm able to have different of interest. Yeah, your theme park has more roller coasters. Yeah. And when you're into so like for example, right? I as I said earlier, I would I would identify myself if I needed to as a leather man. Mm-hmm. When I was very young. That's what I was. wasn't interested in anything else. Mm. And my friends were like, "Oh, if you're in, if you're into leather, you'll be into rubber." I was like, "No, I'm not." Mm-hmm. And that evolved over the years. And I damn um, gotcha. Yeah, I had a very <laughs> beautiful relationship with uh, 
with with a guy um, and he was more into rubber than i was he was rubber i was more leather uh-huh. and you know r- rubber was very much the thing that we used in the bedroom it was amazing nice. very different experience really? uh, but yeah yeah and you know you you evolve with fetishes different things happen and stuff like that so yeah i'll i'll i'll, I'll yes yes big yes yeah <laughs> cool i think you explained it really really well i just want to add one more thing is like i imagine it's really fucking fun because you get to share this special p- thing with people and it's really intense like there are certain sexual things that i really really enjoy and they're kind of hard to achieve but if you're in like a club of people that like really really like those things and you get to share and bond over them and play with them and you create like an adult safe consensual as possible space Wow, yeah, it's a fucking playground. That's sick. Makes me jealous. A little bit jealous. Not jealous, happy for you, but also like, oh, but I'll find my own place. Yeah, you will. <laughs> Everyone does. That's the thing. You know, like, well, they can. To, to the, yeah, to, to the listeners, if you are interested in um, exploring fetishes, do it. Mm. Do it safely. Do it with people that you can trust. Uh, I would say, you know, some advice um, if you are interested in um, a particular fetish, especially rubber or leather, um, you know, the social events that Sydney have are a great place to start. And don't be afraid that if you haven't got any gear um, that you, you're not included, please still go and reach out, reach out to people because there's lots, like, like for me, for example, right? God's sake, I've spent so much money over the years on gear, <laughs> leather, yeah, and it doesn't fit me now. So you'd be doing people a favor if you were to reach out to them and say, do you have any gear that you want to get rid of? Because they'll either give it to you for free or you'll pay next to nothing for it. So, you know, if you are starting out, don't be afraid to, you know, meet these people because we want to see you there. Mm. Nice. Nice. Thank you. And for the global audience, if they're not in Sydney, what are some websites that like anyone can access? I think Recon is one. So Recon's the data app. Right. Um, uh, you know, you, you can uh, meet uh, like-minded uh, guys into your certain fetishes and you can filter that down. Uh, FetLife? All- is that a resource as well as a social networking? Which one? FetLife? FetLife is, yeah. There's My Gear Fetish um, where you can buy uh, items uh, if you wanted to purchase like secondhand items or new items. Sure. Um, there's- But if you Google it, you'll find it, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's- all right. There's- there's a lot. There's like um, Sydney uh, Fetish Week as well. So there's different events that you'll have in different in countries as well. Mm. Okay. Yeah, nice. Google it. You're not dummies. Google it. <laughs> All right. So last up is the zany question round. You ready? Yeah. All right. Do you like coffee? Yes. Do you like anal sex? Yes. Oh, wait, I'm doing the wrong ones. Or did I copy paste them? <laughs> uh, okay, well, I was meant to do the other set, but I copy pasted over them. So pick one centaurs or mermaids? Centaurs. Centaurs. Sexually? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> what shoes are you wearing? What shoes am I wearing now? Yeah. I'm wearing boots. Biker boots? Leather boots? Uh, suede boots, like dress boots. Oh, okay. I wear, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, that's cute. What's your usual Macca's order? Oh, my God. I love Macca's. Oh, uh, yeah. I, I would, <laughs> get out I of the would, bike, get some Macca's. Fuck yeah. I would order 20 chicken nuggets. 20? 
Yeah, 20 chicken nuggets. Uh, uh, oh, so there's a, right. In the UK, uh, my best friend Louise would order, and she got me onto this. It's called a McGangbang. <laughs> what it is, is um, two uh, cheeseburgers and a, um, a Mc, what's it called? A McChicken sandwich. Yeah. What you do is you, you take the buns off the um, the double cheeseburgers and then you put the uh, the McChicken in the middle and it becomes a McGangbang. So I would order <laughs> 20 chicken nuggets and a McGangbang. That's what I would order. <laughs> Can you ever roll up to the box and be like one McGangbang or do you have to get the separate two cheeseburgers, one chicken and 20 nuggets? I assume it's the latter. Yeah, it's not, it's not recognized here in Australia. And to <sighs> be fair, there's only one McDonald's that I know in the UK that knew it because we used to go with that. <laughs> yeah, you got it. You got to become a regular and find like Rochelle or whatever and just recognize yeah. her voice and be like, hey, Rochelle, it's me. It was recognized at um, the uh, Gatwick Airport McDonald's because I used to be cabin crew and Louise's cabin huh. crew. So after <laughs> a flight, we used to um, go to McDonald's afterwards and that would be I get fucking it. wild. Oh my yeah. God. Frothy, juicy, fatty, wow, oily. Wow, that is a McDonald's fetish right there. Yes. <laughs> uh, what's the gayest thing about you? The gayest thing about me? Oh, my God, that's a question, isn't it? I'm told I'm bougie. Bougie? I'm bougie, yeah. Um, As in you like the finer things. Yeah, and when it comes to being bougie as a gay person, you've got the ability to be a little bougie, I suppose. I'm a little bit... Um, I don't know. I think okay, a little bit posh, a little bit selective, a little bit. I yeah. like to find things like tulips, not roses, or something like yeah. that. Yeah, yeah. Okay, all right, cool. What's the straightest thing about you? Probably the way I look, as in your physicality, because you're a bodybuilder. Yeah, yeah. I was gonna. I was thinking the bodybuilding. It's pretty fucking. Oh, I mean, a lot of gay dudes get huge and do love to work out, but the actual size and mass gain that you've achieved is, uh, I'd say, it's very broy. Probably yeah. straight. These, I don't know whether to remove these questions or not because you immediately smash into the wall of clearly these are stereotypes, but that's what makes it fun. But also yeah. everyone's like, we're, we're actually progressing beyond these questions. I think they're like losing their value to us because we're like, what's gay, what's straight? Like, what the fuck? Why would you even? And like, yeah. it's getting difficult, but thank you. Just just having that difficult journey was worth it. If I identified as an omnisexual uni being, would you accept me? What is that? <laughs> um, if I identified as an omnisexual uni being, would you accept me? I don't even know what that is. Can you accept me? <laughs> I'll, I'll accept you anywhere. Oh, thank you. Uh, red apples or green? Red. Red. Do you gamble? No. Cereal, toast, or none? None. None. Do you eat breakfast at all? Yes. What? <laughs> uh, white rice and tuna. Oh, God, bodybuilding. No, shut up. Don't want to hear it. Um, <laughs> who's sexier, Bigfoot or a male version of Tinkerbell? Oh, Bigfoot, hands down. Yeah, just like big boys, big daddy Bigfoot. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Uh, what car do you drive? Yeah, what's this car that you bought? Tell tell us. Do you want to know the car that I drive now or the new car? Both. I think the car people out there need to know. Okay. So the current car that I have is a Porsche Macan. Uh-huh. 
And the new car that I'm getting is a Range Rover. Ah. Are they like standard models these days? I thought they had like, um, you know, categories of Range Rover. Or is it just a yeah, Range so, Rover? So the Range Rover Velar is what I'm getting. Ooh. It's called a Velar. Yeah. All right, cool. Um, thanks for destroying the environment, dickhead. Great. Well done. Yeah. It's diesel as well. <laughs> oh, fucking hell. Although some of those can be quite efficient, can't they? Modern diesels. Yeah, they are. And to be fair, I'll use the bike more than anything. So. No, that, no, you're not off the hook. No. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> How many pairs of underwear do you own? Oh, my God. I only wear jock straps. Only ever? Yeah. Wow, powerful. Listen out, business customers. <laughs> oh, they don't know. We didn't talk about that. All good. There's, there's, a, re- there's a reason why, though, um, I wear a jock strap. Uh-huh. Um, but I probably got 60, 60 something. Fucking hell. Fucking hell. This may be the new gayest thing about you. Oh, yeah, let's do that as the new case. <laughs> I own 60 drug straps. Okay, like but they're oh. fetish-related as well, right? Some of them are leather, some of them are cotton, rubber. Um, well, the ones I wear uh, every day, obviously, cotton. just, yeah, cotton. Yeah. But I do have leather ones, yes. Yeah. Um, yeah. But the reason why I wear them is, um, do we want to know? It is for each individual listening to decide. <laughs> you can cover your ears if you don't want to know. It's it's a medical thing. Ah, um, oh, okay. Is it gross? How gross is it? It's not gross at all. It's just I am um, I always always experienced uh, pain in my right testicle. Huh. And I went and got ultrasound after ultrasound. So it, this is like back in the UK, mm-hmm. uh, and the doctor was like, "There's literally nothing wrong. Can't find a thing. Yeah. Wear tighter underwear." So I wore tighter underwear, and, and in, in the UK, I was like, "Okay, the tightest underwear I'm wearing is like boxers and briefs." And then the pain subsided, and then I came to Australia, and it started again. And I went through the whole process again. And is it cancer? Is it this? Is it not? What is it? Blah blah blah. Doctor was like, "Nothing wrong with you. Wear tighter underwear." I was like, well, I'm wearing the tightest things I can actually find. What else can I wear? And he went, jockstrap. Huh. The doctor said that? Yeah. And I was like, really? And he went, yeah, because what you're wearing is fine, but it's not pulling it. It's not supporting it. You've got the straps on the back of the jockstrap, which literally pull it into place yeah. and stops it moving. The I'm elastic. Like, uh, yeah. Yeah. And then literally do not have any pain now. Yeah. I find that mildly sexy. Maybe I do have a mild doctor thing. <laughs> <laughs> uh have you ever done drugs yeah you said yes yes yeah is there anything else you wish to tell us about your underwear okay i, I mean I'll, I'll let this fly but yeah you've told us a lot anything else <laughs> my favorite brand is superwear oh. oh cool i don't think i've ever heard about that do you have a hot pink pair yes oh, of course you do do you have any ladies underwear no no i don't know okay all right cool thank you uh what happens when we die I'd like to think that our energy is reborn. Mm. But unfortunately, I Back think, on Earth? Yeah. Mm. But unfortunately, nothing in mm. terms of grief. And, you know, unfortunately, you uh, leave grief to the loved ones around you. Oh, okay. Two things. I'll do that second one first. Grief and sadness, I think the Queen is quoted as saying this, the Queen has just passed away, uh, is the price we pay for love. Mm. I don't think it's unfortunate that we experience it. Like imagine a really good funeral. If you've ever just cried your eyes out and your soul out for someone you truly loved or even just a pet or, or, you know, you ask someone, would you go back in time and change that? 
and no one says yes. Unless, like, someone had full-on traumatic, like, life-destroying grief, you wouldn't, you wouldn't change it. And there's a reason for that. Yeah. We care. It matters. It's a valuable experience. It is. So, yeah, your family don't want you to die, but I wouldn't take their grief away. True. Mm. That's, that's a good point. Uh, the second one, what was it? Oh, yeah, I think we might be on exactly the same page about what happens after we die. So I like to think, right, you, you know the bit where you said um, maybe nothing, unfortunately nothing? I think that was it. Yeah. Yes, but you know how everything that happened before you were born, like, doesn't seem to take up time? Yeah. And so we're not really worried about where we were or what was happening before we were born. It doesn't hurt us in any way, right? Yeah. And if we die and it's like that, then time will collapse and not be a thing. So the only possible thing we'll ever feel ever again, ever, and, and have any cause to worry about, as far as I can tell, would be a new form of consciousness. Yeah. So if reincarnation is the thing, it will happen very quickly and we won't be upset and we just won't remember it. I think there are people out there that are like, they jam on, I do remember my past lives, it's very real. And obviously Buddhism um, talks about reincarnation a lot. But just for me as a lay person, I'm not Buddhist, I've just you know, thought about it a little bit. I wonder if that is the most likely. It feels nice to me. Yeah. Because when you say nothing, there's no such thing as nothing. True. And, and if it's what it was before we were born, then it's going to happen in the blink of an eye. Or, or even if it takes forever, we won't remember it in any tangible way. And the past lives people, they're not like, and then I waited 40 billion years. They're like, no, I was a monkey or I was another person or I was a bird. Yeah. <laughs> so I, I'm on team reincarnation and I'm not Buddhist. No, I'm not either. But yeah, I, I'd like to think there's something there. Reincarnation is probably better than the sin reborn. But I definitely think there's um I definitely think there's something. I just don't know what. Yeah. And if not, hear my voice. I lived. <laughs> Here <Yeah>. I am. <laughs> I had fun. Maybe yeah. after this I won't have fun, but right now I'm having a hell of a lot of fun. Good. All right. Well, uh, last one. Do you love me? Do I love you? Yeah. Do you love me? Yeah, Ed, I do. Oh, thank you. I love you too. Thank you. <laughs> and that is the end of the show. Hey, party animals. Thank you for listening. Um, Welcome to the end of another show. I really, really appreciate uh, all of the listeners around the world when they give me particular feedback about the show, what they're enjoying, what they might change, um, what they might look forward to in terms of special topics. So please do reach out. It's edward at gaberhoodpodcast.com for email. At Instagram, we're at edward, no, we're not. We're at gaberhoodpodcast. And I was going to do Twitter, but you know what? Can't be bothered. Sorry, Twitter. Um, just email me if you're a Twitter guy. And if you love the show, firstly, hello, I see you. And if you want to support the show, actually, the very best thing you can do is just share it. Just tell your friends. I know it might not be everyone's cup of tea. It's a bit of a long format, but just gay dudes hanging out, talking real shit. I fucking love it. So, uh, please tell your friends. And if you really, really, really love the show, it would actually still be very helpful if you could justify it financially for me by supporting via going to patreon.com forward slash Gaberhood 
podcast. That is the American spelling because, well, I don't know. The U there just seems unnecessary. I like the U in color. Color, color is wrong and M-O-M mum is wrong, but Gaberhood doesn't need a U. So that's the story behind that. Take care. Bye. Actually, party animals, I lied. I lied to you. I'm sorry, um, but it's for a very important purpose. I am inserting my own advert right here. This is a sponsored segment for me, by me, about my book project. So I have written and created a book project called A Gay Man, and it's wonderful. I don't mind telling you that. It's not just me. I wrote it, sure, but it's built on the backs of giants. Um, if you know of The Velvet Rage and you know much about mindfulness or Eckhart Tolle and The Tolle and the Power of Now, I smashed those two things together and then I got a ton of artists together to create all the different scenes in vibrant, vibrant, beautifully illustrated scenes. Um, I've got a designer. I've got like a seven-person team. There's a lot. It's it's a big deal. It's become a whole second business. Um, But we haven't made a dollar. And the point of that, I'm telling you now, because Kickstarter is where we're going to launch. And it's going to start on January 17th. Um, The end of it will be February 17th, so roughly 30 days, uh, just in time for Sydney World Pride. Yahoo. And I want you, if you would be so kind, if you love this kind of content and you're interested in this book project, please go to get.agaymanbook.com. It is just a landing page that's going to tell you all about it. If you have a look there and you like it, uh, chuck in your email address because we'll notify you when the Kickstarter is launching. You can also also help us out a lot by putting in $1 and making a reservation so that we can get our print numbers and, and organize things better from a business perspective. That would be really, really, really helpful. Um, you can get a refund on that $1 if you don't go ahead and purchase it, but it will make sure that you can get one of your choices of the first edition colors, which are only available to Kickstarters. And that's it. So get.agaymanbook.com. Commercial music, commercial music. This was a sponsored segment, commercial music. (laughs) All right. Take care, guys. Love ya. Bye. I really do think we've probably awakened a couple of uh, biker leather uh, people out there. That'd be good.
yeah a little bit more um sort of leather and uh, bikers in the community that'd be great 